This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 453 of the Yellow World Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about match day one of the Bundesliga against SFC Köln. Our expectations for all three competitions going into this season for Borussia Dortmund, and we will predict the final league table. For all that and more, join me, Matthias Zuck. Hello, Matthias, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I was still cautiously optimistic last week, and then, of course, you know, Harry Kane decided to go to Bayern, and now I'm just sad. <laughs> how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you, thank you. And also here, Lars Bormann. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. Tired as always. Good as always. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear. So, um, yeah, I obviously did not in include it into the intro because uh, Dortmund, of course, did uh, win their first Cup round against uh, TSV Short Mines, a 1 to 6 or 6 to 1 win, however you want to see it. Uh, you know, key observations were that Kobel and Schotterbeck were healthy enough to play, which was necessary because uh, Niklas Süle was uh, out or subbed off after about 30 minutes because of minor back injury and obviously he's expected to play against Cologne. But uh, yeah, that sort of illustrated how urgently Dortmund need another central defender and uh, yeah, other observations that Marco Royce for whatever reason, cannot buy a goal right now. And that Dortmund still suck at set-piece defending because they, of course, did concede a goal against... Uh, was it a 4th or 5th division tier side? I'm not too sure. Lars, correct me. 4th. 4th. Um, so, yeah. The, that's pretty much all I've got uh, from that game. I mean, it's it's the first cup round. Dortmund advanced. Uh, and uh, the game happened in the uh, stadium of Mainz which is a team and the game overall I want to forget. So me trying to look forward didn't work quite perfectly. However, um, what we can look forward to is, of course, the first match against FC Köln, which happens on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. local time is the kickoff. So Dortmund start their season with the Bundesliga Topspiel. And uh, yeah, why don't we start with the injuries? Because why the heck not... Uh, out for that game will be definitely Duranville, Reyna and Meunier. And uh, with Gio Reyna being out for that game, I am already demanding that he will be banned from the United States men's national team uh, until he has at least one healthy half season um, because he seems to pick up injuries every time he's on international duty. Questionable are uh, Metscher Adiemi, who both didn't train this week, and uh, Emre Can, who has some calf problems but uh, is expected to play. And uh, yeah, Zule, as I already said, is... Uh, also expected to to play because back in team training. And I think good news is that uh, Bino Gittens and Matteo Morey are fully integrated in team training again. Um, obviously not quite sure if they are ready to play uh, anytime soon because they've just recovered both from, from injuries and in Matteo Morey's case, very special. So I don't know about that, but uh, Lars... SFC Köln is a team that can make life very uncomfortable or can completely fall apart depending on what they, they are playing on. Um, 
I don't know if Dortmund have a little bone to pick with them since uh, they <laughs> uh, took a part in Dortmund not winning the championship as they did concede a second goal to Bayern Munich in the, I don't know, 88th or 89th minute to Jamal Musiala. So uh, are we out for revenge in this match or are we just looking forward and trying to continue where we left off from last season? I mean, if Dortmund were out for revenge, I think every single mirror in in the team ground and uh, locker room would already be broken because they don't have anyone to blame but themselves uh, <laughs> for last season. So obviously, I guess it was a tongue-in-cheek uh, kind of question from you, Stefan. No, that, that definitely isn't uh, a factor. It's just, you know, first game of the season is always important just to get things going. Uh like yourself, I don't count the cup games in the first round, which are basically a uh, bone the the professional clubs are throwing the way of amateur teams, or used to be mostly amateur teams. Obviously, now there's a lot of third division sides and fourth division semi-professional sides in, in the cup as well, but still, it's not uh, a real test for most teams, unless you get a very unlucky draw. Uh, the first cup round is just smooth sailing, so I don't count that, and in, in so far, uh, it's the start of a new campaign with uh, a number of question marks, I guess, but also uh, some reasons for optimism, uh, not only because how most of uh, first half of the year went uh, in Dortmund's favor, but also because I think over the summer, while most will not be too happy with the transfer business they made, I think... Uh, especially Master Zabitzer is a very good signing. Benzebaini so far looking reasonably good. Uh, Matcher, special case, unsure whether or not he's going to feature on, on Saturday. Uh, and also I would say the uh, summer prep games uh, mostly went all right. Uh, didn't watch uh, all of the uh, American games as it were. But just in terms of results, I think... Dortmund won all but one of their uh, summer matches, and uh, that was a one-all draw against uh, Chelsea, if memory serves. So, correct. There's there's a bit of a run of results, and even in in test games and the first round of the cup, it's always good to go into a new season uh, on a uh, run of results. And I think there's certainly a, a a level of optimism around the team that might be, might become kind of infectious uh, come Saturday evening because I think the atmosphere is once again going to be absolutely electric. Yeah, I expect that too. Um, Lars, before we talk more about Dortmund, uh, since you are a writer for Fußball.news and a little bit more in touch with other teams too than I personally am, uh, how was Cologne's offseason? Any notable transfers? Obviously, they've lost Skiri to, I think, Eintracht Frankfurt, if I'm not mistaken. So that is obviously... Uh, Ari, a big one, um, but other than that, uh, I think Jonas Sektor, of course, retired. Uh, Andre Duda left also, and uh, yeah, Timo Horn, I think, is, you know, he he is no longer with the club, but he wasn't quite uh, a key figure as, as as it was since Schwebe is their number one goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, are there any notable changes for Cologne, or is it more or less same old, same old? Uh, seeing as you mentioned Andre Duda, uh, I'm quite certain, Stefan, that you have a list in front of yourself. Um, 
But I would say the, the most notable signing is probably Leard Pacharada, the new left back. Um, spent a, a couple of very strong seasons at St. Pauli in the second division. He's a bit older than you would usually assume a, a club like Cologne would like to sign new starters, but uh, he's just quite good. Obviously not necessarily on the level of Jonas Hector, but someone who can whip in a mean cross and we all know uh, set-piece delivery can be a problem against Dortmund, especially if Davy Zelke plays, uh, which there is still a bit of a question mark. He is out, I think. I I read today that Stefan Baumgart was unsure, the Cologne coach, so I I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Fair. Um, Stefan Tigges is out, uh, so he can't hurt Dortmund again like last season. <laughs> that was at Cologne. Um, they also signed uh, Luca Waldschmidt, former German international, on loan from Wolfsburg. He's had quite a decent preseason, from what I gather. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know what Cologne are under Steffen Baumgart. They are very intense. They press you high. They make you uh, work for it, let's say. Um, they are hard to beat sometimes, but, it's, but as you said, Stefan, sometimes they also crumble. Um they played against Osnabrück in the cup, which is one of the hardest draws you could get because Osnabrück were promoted to the second division this year. Uh, Cologne needed extra time, but beat them 3-1 in the end. And uh, while Stefan Baumgart, the head coach after the game, was complaining about Dortmund having an easier opponent and uh, two and a half days uh, of rest or, or more rest than Cologne, uh, I tend to think that a difficult game in the first cup round can also be kind of an advantage because it makes uh, the players uh, more aware that the season has already started and uh, you know they don't have to shake off some rust that perhaps a Dortmund player who hasn't really been challenged by uh, Regionalliga side uh, shot mines might have a bit more of an issue in the first you know 20-30 minutes of a new season getting into the groove of the game. Yeah, I would agree. So uh, now, Matthias, let's focus things a little bit more uh, on uh, the Dortmund side of things. Uh, of, of course, uh, I hope it's going to be a massive advantage that Cologne had to uh, play um, overtime or extra time against uh, Osnabrück and are now so tired that they will just completely crumble right from the get-go. But um, what do you make of uh, the first uh, potential starting eleven uh, that Dortmund may or may not field with uh, Kobel, of course, in gold, and you have Riasson and Ben Sbaini as your fullbacks, and uh, I assume it's going to be uh, Hummels and Zule again, because those have, be have been the starting centre-backs, but maybe it's also Schlotterbeck and Zule. I'm not entirely sure uh, who Tessic will pick, and uh, I assume our uh, double pivot in midfield will be Zabitza and Jan, and uh, I also assume that Royce will once again fill in for... Uh, Karim Adeyemi, who is probably not uh, ready to start, and then you have uh, Malen and Brandt uh, in attacking midfield and up top, Alea. Um, first of all, do you have any disagreements, other players you expect to start? And second of all, um, do you think that the Dortmund uh, starting eleven more or less sets itself currently? Oh, I mean, I agree with your assessment. I think the only place that I, I wouldn't necessarily put my neck out too far to say that set is the exact center back pairing, whether that's Zule and Schlotterbeck or Zule and Hummels. I think Zule is probably set. Um, who's next to him, I guess, depends a little bit on fitness. I'm okay with either one. 
The only thing with that lineup, I would then kind of, especially if it's Zule, uh, even though he's deceptive in his speed with Hummels, is of course, if Dortmund commit too far up the pitch too often and couldn't simply go for, you know, the, the typical longer ball um, counterattack that, you know, see how, how speed works there, even though Rayasson and Betsabaini do have decent recovery speed. Um, that's that's really the only concern I have there. Other than that, yeah, I mean, it it picks itself. Uh, once Adeyemi is fit, Royce will be out, Adeyemi is in, and, you know, off we go. I mean, that's that's kind of the the set picture right now. The good thing is Tazic has some options coming off the bench, uh, especially... <laughs> Tuang Hazard. <laughs> Tuang Hazard. Uh, no, I meant more in, in central midfield. You know, how he wants to mix that up a little bit with uh, Mecha and Ochan coming in. And then, of course, you can throw in Marius Wolf either at the right back or on the right wing position if you want more a traditional winger out there versus someone who cuts in and so on. So I, there, there are some options there. I see... Dortmund with more options than Köln. I see Dortmund as significantly better and higher quality than Köln. We all know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, but I do think uh, two of the players that you specifically mentioned with Hector and Skiri being gone, I think that's actually uh, significant for Köln. Those aren't players you simply replace. And I have very little confident in, confidence in Schwebe and Gold. That being said, he's probably going to save like 20 clear-cut chances now because I said that. Um, but, you know, it's it's all looking very good for Dortmund. They have a home match. They've got a few extra days of rest. And, you know, that, that helps players that maybe have a knock also come back to full fitness. So I, I think it's, in that sense, it's pretty clear-cut. Yeah, I mean, if if we had a healthy bench or just more of a healthy squad, I, I think the options of the bench would be uh, much, much better. I mean, if you have, for example, Bino Gittens and Duranville available just for the last 20 minutes or so to play as a throw-in against a tired defense, or, you know, Giorena, of course, um, that, of course, uh, makes a whole lot of difference than uh, the options right now. I mean, attacking-wise, it's Mokoko, it's Azar, if you will, and... Uh, Marius Wolf, who I'm looking at, and uh, of course you can, uh, you know, plug in Matcha, and I think he can also get a couple of things going on the uh, offensive side of things. But um, yeah, really, really goes to show uh, how many injuries Dortmund do carry into the season, and uh, for me that's uh, a bit problematic. And I hope that uh, Dortmund can get a hold of things in that regard. Uh, sooner rather than later, because uh, you know it it does make a massive difference uh, on on the results overall. Whether you have uh, more players to make a difference off the bench uh, more often than not, and of course, uh, yeah, Karim Adeyemi um, when he is fit together with Malen, I mean Dortmund have been one of the most lethal attacks uh, in this calendar year, if not the most lethal attack uh, in in Europe. So, yeah. To me, this is sort of where where things uh, yeah get get to me uh, be- become very interesting to me whether Dortmund uh, have have a fit squad uh, for once in in the season or relatively. I mean, injuries always happen, of course. But um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the season goals, maybe uh, about some uh, parameters because uh, Tessic 
talked about uh, considering fewer than uh, 34 goals uh, this season to have your uh, goals considered average below 34. It was 44 last season. Last, is it realistic for Dortmund? And considering, <laughs> I can already hear the no, uh, for Dortmund to achieve uh, that number in, in the Bundesliga, in, to be under or equal of 34 goals conceded over 34 match days. Uh, just quickly, I want to uh, talk back on the slander against uh, Marvin Schwebe, the Cologne goalkeeper, because I think he's excellent. He should be in the Germany squad. And if Gregor Kobel were to be sold for 120 million to Saudi Arabia, which obviously isn't happening, uh, my uh, recommendation would be to sign Marvin Schwebe of Cologne. So having gotten that out of my system, uh, realistic... Uh, probably not. I mean, the last time Dortmund conceded um, less than, I think, 41 goals. Uh, uh, no, actually, actually it was 34 in the first season uh, under Tuchel. But the last time they conceded uh, less than that, uh, coincidentally or not, was in the 2011-2012 campaign, which obviously was, at that point, the best campaign any uh, Bundesliga side had ever played with Dortmund. Uh, repeating the title under Jürgen Klopp. So, uh, given that it's now 11 seasons to, since Dortmund haven't conceded more than one goal per game on average, uh, I think uh, I'm playing the odds and saying it's probably not going to happen, but I mean, there's quite a bit of room for improvement still. I mean, they conceded 44, as you said. Uh, 19 of which came in the second half of last season, uh, 25 before, so there was already A, uh, an improvement and I would be quite happy if you know 19 times 2 is 38 so maybe <laughs> that's a somewhat more realistic number um, and, and obviously the issue is uh, we can all kind of uh, make a mental note of Dortmund's away game at Bayern which happens to be or, or tends to be a, a drubbing uh, in the last few years and I Not necessarily confident it's going to be different now that they have Harry Kane. Um, so the, the question is, uh, how many is it going to be in the 33 other games? And there were, even in the second half of last season, a couple of games, uh, thinking back obviously uh, to Stuttgart, but also to the Schalke away derby, uh, to the game that Schalke mentioned again on this podcast um, in May, uh, where, you know, one too many goals conceded can make the difference between winning the title and not winning the title. And there's room for improvement, but uh, until I see it, I remain a skeptic. Well, I'm right there with you, Lars. Uh, for my season goals, is it's it's relatively simple. I would I would appreciate if Dortmund managed to just replicate what they did in the Rückrunde, and if you multiply that by two, you end up with 80 points, 24 wins, 8 draws, 2 defeats. You score 104 goals and you concede 38. Uh, if if this is uh, the stats sheet at the end of the season, I'm going to be uh, fairly happy, probably, unless uh, another team has 81 points and then. Uh, People are not going to be uh, as happy as, of course, everything is relative. But uh, if you can just conserve that form, I think, which will be hard enough, um, that would be amazing. It will also be amazing if uh, Dortmund conserve their home form because out of the 17 home games, they had 14 wins, two draws and, and one loss, which to me is, is relatively good. One could even argue um, last season they could have improved on that because... Uh, 
you know, uh, the game against Mainz certainly was winnable. Uh, <laughs> the game against Bremen most certainly was winnable. And um, yeah, the, even the, the home match against Bayern, uh, which ended in a two-all draw with a dramatic uh, end, of course, uh, one could argue that Dortmund could have come away with more than uh, one point from that game. Uh, even still, but uh, you know there were obviously plenty of games where Dortmund wrote their luck um, to keep all three points at home. But uh, nevertheless, uh, that sort of implies that I want Dortmund to improve mostly on the road, um, because you know if you look at the road uh, versus uh, the home versus away table, Dortmund had 44 points at home versus 27 on the road. Obviously, there's always a discrepancy, especially if the Westfalenstein is your home stadium, it's logical that you will be better at home uh, by much. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it would uh, not count for much that uh, the Westfalenstein is such an awesome stadium, but, uh, you know, realistically, it does. Uh, but, you know, if you just look at the goal difference, uh, Dortmund uh, had a goal difference of plus 38 at home versus just plus one uh, on the road last season. So... Um, I think if Dortmund can improve on the roads and especially, of course, against teams that are relegation-threatened or, uh, you know, do get relegated at the end, uh, that also would quite help. Um, Matthias, I've talked a lot about numbers now. Um, do you have numbers for yourself where you hope that Dortmund can improve or uh, just overall things you would like to see improve going into the next season, be it injury management, set-piece defending or other things you would like to improve or be conserved? Well, um, ignoring the last match day <laughs> and what Alea did on defending that corner, I actually think Dortmund did a pretty decent job in defending set pieces and attacking set pieces last season. Um, compared to previous seasons where that was a clear weakness, last season it wasn't a weakness, we could even say it was a strength in many regards. So if they could just keep that, I'm cool with it. Yes, injury management. It seems like, you know, there's been turnover in staff, also on the physio side over the years. It just somehow seems to be a constant thing. I don't know if it's just down to the play style of Dortmund. Um, so, yeah, less injuries would be great. <laughs> I think that's what, what everybody likes. For me, the biggest thing is less long-term slump would be great if we think about last season you know after the first couple of weeks Dortmund had a a very long patch of very inconsistent play um you know and you can say that as much as we were not happy about a world cup of Qatar, that long break i i would argue saved Dortmund's season because it gave them a lot of time to recalibrate. It gave Sebastian Alea time to come and and become fit to be able to play. And the team refound itself in that period of time and completely turned things around. Now, they're not going to have that kind of a luxury, so to speak, this season. So you can't go in that kind of a slump because if they go into that kind of a slump again this season, I don't think they're finishing second. In fact, I think they might struggle to finish top four in that case. So you can't have that. That's my main thing. Consistency. Uh, yeah, replicate the second half of last season over two uh, half seasons. That would be a dream come true. Uh, but I'm also realistic enough to believe that it's not going to be quite that hot all the time. 
but getting close to that, uh, and then I think uh, you've got uh, really good chances in all of your competitions. Yeah, plus uh, maybe we can already uh, include sort of the expectations for the cup competitions um, because Dortmund's Champions League form wasn't blazing, <laughs> let's say, in, in, in recent times. So um, what uh, on-field improvements uh, or, or, con or good things to conserve um, would, would you like to see? Honestly, I think I can echo most of what uh, Matthias said. Um, just that consistency um, that was reassuring in a sense last season or towards the end of last season. Um, just going into almost every match day with a positive mindset. Um, you know, not expecting necessarily um, the next, I don't know, um, tough blow to the to the head or nether regions. Um, you know, with uh, uh, the the almost typical Dortmund defeat against the worst side, where after the game you kind of scratch your head and go, "What the what the hell was that?" Um, which obviously they had quite a few of those games before the World Cup break. Um, I remember with the exact opposite of fondness uh, the games against Gladbach and Wolfsburg to close out the Bundesliga calendar year. Those were two of the most abject disappointing uh, football-watching experiences for a Dortmund fan, I would say. Um, Hope-draining, I would say. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point of the season, if if anyone had told uh, you that Dortmund had a chance of winning the title on the final match, they would have put them into an asylum, basically. So, uh, yeah, just be more consistent or keep that consistency up from the second half of last year. Uh, I definitely expect a better cup run um, just because the last two seasons were very disappointing after Dortmund had really become somewhat of a specialist in, 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 in the DFB Pokal. Uh, Champions League is always difficult uh, depending so much on the draw. I think last season I was actually quite fine with Dortmund's performances, especially in the group stage. They gave uh, Man City much tougher games than a lot of uh, better, in quotation marks, teams uh, uh, did uh, last season. Um, obviously, the Dortmund almost won at uh, the Etihad uh, before John Stones uh, had a screamer and uh, Holland did what he did. Uh, the second, uh, or the, the return leg at Dortmund was a draw, if memory serves. Yeah, scoreless uh, draw. Yeah, uh, the, the Chelsea... Uh, First leg was fine with a great goal by Adeyemi. The second leg, uh, I think, think we can argue whether the refereeing decisions played their part in that or not. But ultimately, even if Chelsea had a very difficult season, obviously last year with all the uh, turmoil in terms of the squad and coaching changes and whatever, that's still uh, a team with enough quality on the pitch where if you are eliminated by that lot, it's not necessarily uh, you know a, a huge disappointment for me. So... Depending on the draw, I, I would expect Dortmund to once again make it out of the group stage and then see what happens, see who, whom you draw. Uh, and, and perhaps one, one final thing. For me this season, I would like for there to be less refereeing uh, controversies and also just less uh, whining and whinging from, from Dortmund players, fans and all that. Uh, I know I myself uh, have been a part of that in, in recent past and 
I've actually sort of made a new season resolution to no longer uh, mention, you know, refereeing mistakes or go go into that too much because it's you can't change it anyway. They don't. I, I'm assuming they don't do it on purpose. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's very unlikely that, especially a Bundesliga season, gets decided by refereeing decisions to uh, your benefit or uh, the benefit of another team. So maybe you can all concentrate on Dortmund's performances a bit more, and I certainly plan to do that. All right, that's uh, that's uh, honorable. <laughs> I will not make this resolution at all because I know myself there's uh, no holding back uh, when I'm pissed off, especially if Dortmund get host in a match against Bayern. Uh, so yeah, from that standpoint, uh, that's I'm I'm just I'm just gonna be honest. Uh, I I will try myself, but uh, realistically, um, we're not gonna be there. Um, Matthias um, and Lars, I've uh, both asked you to uh, make final league table predictions. And uh, I hope you've written it out in front of you, uh, because why the heck not? And uh, why don't we start at the lower end uh, with the teams that will be relegated? Uh, Matthias, who will be the the bottom three teams? One of which, of course, will be uh, in the relegation. Who do you have penciled in there? So, I mean, the obvious one candidates for me are Darmstadt and Heidenheim. Um, as happy as I am for Heidenheim, I think that's a really cool story. It's a true Cinderella story. I just don't see either one of those sides having the quality or the resources to maintain uh, the league. Uh, I'd be okay if they show me different, but I just think the gap between them and the next worst team is it's just a little bit too much. Uh, also, when it comes to attracting players of quality to Darmstadt and to Heidenheim, those aren't exactly, you know, Hamburg, for an example. If Hamburg were in the league, that's a, a more enticing locale for a player, at least. Um, so for me, Heidenheim and Darmstadt are clear candidates uh, for relegation. And then the other one down there, and this is both uh, a belief and a hope, is, <laughs> Augs is Augsburg. Um, I'd be perfectly fine as if FC Augsburg get relegated or at least stay down there. To me, the quality isn't necessarily there. I don't see them adding much to the league. They annoy me every time I watch them play. Um, on paper... You know, a Mainz, a Bremen, a Köln, a Bochum, if you go by, you know, the squad and so on, are lower quality than Augsburg. But uh, I just think overall Augsburg are a, a contender for being down there. Uh, I was debating between them and Bochum, uh, but I'm, I'm leaning Augsburg, and maybe that's a little bit also because I kind of want them to be down there. <laughs> yeah, this is how usually I make my picks as well. So uh, 18th place, I have Heidenheim, uh, Darmstadt 17th, and Augsburg 16th, and then 15th, I actually put Bochum. Uh, Lars, what about you? Uh, yeah, we are in agreement on Darmstadt. I think they are the biggest underdogs in recent years, uh, just from a financial standpoint. Uh, they have a much lower... Uh, wage packet as it were uh, compared to Heidenheim um, I think their promotion last season was always uh, already 
uh, a bit fluky in a sense. I mean, they were top of the league for most of the second half of the season, but uh, whenever I watched them, uh, I, I tended to think that uh, some of these games were decided by, you know, the luck of the draw, basically one chance being taken, another not being taken. And also Darmstadt have lost uh, Philipp Tietz, their, in my opinion, best attacking player to Augsburg. So, yeah, I, I can't see a way for them to uh, stay up. Uh, would be almost shocked if, if Darmstadt weren't. Uh, I would even say uh, 18th because I think they are much worse than anyone else. Uh, and they are going to be joined in relegation by FC Augsburg, in my opinion. Um, some of what uh, Matthias has already said, uh, just the, the quality seems a bit iffy. They were... Uh, kicked from the cup after an abject performance um, this this weekend. Uh, I think uh, Enrico Maas, as much as I like him, is uh, fairly likely to be the first manager getting the boot this season. Uh, and yeah, someone has to go down. And I think after uh, 12 seasons of Augsburg, <laughs> it might... It, 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 I, I looked it up today. Um, it, it might just be their time. And I actually have Werder Bremen in the relegation playoff spot because I'm not convinced that they did anything to strengthen their already pretty terrible defense. Um, I know second season syndrome is actually a myth in the Bundesliga, but uh, sometimes uh, myths have a kernel of truth. Uh, and I just don't get the vibes from Bremen. I think if uh, Niklas Füllkrug were to leave in the second or in the two remaining uh, weeks of the transfer window, I think uh, I might actually put them below Augsburg. I'm just not convinced, despite the fact that I think uh, Ole Werner is a top-level coach who, once he leaves Bremen, should get the opportunity to coach, uh, you know, a club challenging for Europe in, in, in the Bundesliga. So where have you put Heidenheim then? Fourteenth above Bochum. Huh, interesting. All right, and uh, I I think. Uh, it's showing that you guys don't watch the second division much. No, not at all. I mean, what, why, why should you <laughs> get up on on Saturday mornings to watch uh, Heidenheim against uh, uh, Magdeburg? Although that is a great game on paper because Magdeburg are very fun side. Uh, Heidenheim, small name, very good team, best coach in Germany in my opinion in the last few years, uh, Frank Schmidt. Uh, as as Matthias said, it's a true Cinderella story that. Club does not have the uh, background that you would necessarily assume uh, is Bundesliga bound, but uh, they've made shrewd investments uh, in a couple of players. Uh, for example, former Dortmund youth player Jan Niklas Beste has turned into an absolute menace from the left wing for them. Uh, Tim Klein Lins, uh, second division uh, scoring champion of last season, he's definitely good enough to play for two thirds of the Bundesliga, I would say. Uh, and, and most of the time, uh, both promoted side don't, uh, get relegated again. At least that's, you know, the, the, the feeling I get. I did not look that up, but I think Heidenheim have a very decent chance to stay up at least in their first season. Interesting. So I, I think don't want to play Heidenheim on match day three. Do you think uh, that Heidenheim will sneak a point or maybe even three away from the Westfalenstadion? Just gut uh, feeling wise. No. But I don't think that that has anything to do with whether or not I think Heidenheim. Yeah, no. Uh, plenty of teams lose in Dortmund and still not get relegated. <laughs> Most of them, in fact. Yeah. Matthias, 
places 15 to i don't know let's let's go to 10 if you want 10 yeah that 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 kind of dead zone um where uh teams are kind of fighting relegation but then sneak it away I will say that I'm going to be rooting for Heidenheim. Uh, I've been a Frank Schmidt fan ever since that um, um, that documentary that came out in 2012 uh, when they were still playing in the Dritte Liga. And I was very impressed by Frank Schmidt at Heidenheim, aside from when they played against Poison so I never really noticed them. And that was just really cool. So for me, I have 15th Bochum. Um, I think... They're going to have one of those seasons where it's going to be on on a razor's edge uh, most of the time. 14th, I have Bremen for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Lars just mentioned. I think if Füllkrug leaves, yeah, I would definitely drop them even further down. I mean, they've got Duksch, you know, uh, but he's he's not Niklas Füllkrug. Um, 13th, I have Stuttgart. I think they're going to flirt with relegation, but kind of move past that. Köln, I think, will be in 12th. I've got Hoffenheim in 11th. This is kind of that dead zone. And then 10th, I think, will be Mainz. I think they'll have uh, one of those seasons where they're going to have a stretch of poor form, then a stretch of really good form, and then come back down to reality and kind of finish in 10th, in 10th spot. Yeah, I, I'll i be honest. It's, it's very similar to what I have. I think I have uh, Stuttgart in 14th. I have Köl- uh, Bremen in 13th, uh, Cologne 12th. And uh, Hoffenheim eleventh, and then Mainz also in in tenth. Um, Lars, how how have you composed it? Yeah, uh, it's almost the same for all of us, and I think that's basically going to be the consensus among among Bundesliga punters. Uh, aside from from Darmstadt, and for a lot of people, I guess Heidenheim. Uh, basically, uh, everything from tenth down would not be a surprise to me. So. I have Bochum fifteenth, uh, Heidenheim fourteenth, Stuttgart thirteenth, uh, Hoffenheim twelfth, Mainz eleventh, Cologne tenth. But as I said, any combination of those uh, above Darmstadt wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. So I think these are the teams that unlikely to uh, be good enough to challenge for Europe, but uh, most of them should not flirt with relegation too hardly. I think it's going to come down at the end of the season, uh, as it did kind of uh, in in this past campaign to you know. Final two match days, maybe three or four teams, and not you know six, seven. Yeah, yeah. So then we move up into the upper half of the league table, and uh, in ninth place, I still have Gladbach. Uh, they might actually be lower. Uh, to be honest, I don't think they've made uh, too many improvements, and they're sort of more in in I don't know, still fall out of relevancy than uh, more on the ascendancy. As far as I'm concerned, uh, they very much seem in in disarray. And uh, every time I read any news about Gladbach, it's usually not great. So they're in ninth place. Uh, Freiburg, I've put in eighth place, even though, I don't know, might finish higher. I feel like from here on out, it really is a toss-up. Because Frankfurt, I have in seventh and Union Berlin on sixth. Uh, just because I think the Wolfsburg uh, are going to play a, a good season, but that being said, it could also be uh, just the other way, where then uh, Wolfsburg are maybe in eighth and, and Freiburg are in fifth, or something like that. Uh, Lars, how have you done it? Um, quite similar again. I have uh, Freiburg in ninth. Uh, just think uh, they haven't really done anything to improve their team too much. Uh, obviously, they were were very good last season, but 
something has to give in in league table predictions at the <laughs> in, in the middle of August. So I put them ninth. Uh, I put Union Berlin eighth. Not necessarily believing that's actually going to be the case because they usually defy expectations. Uh, but I just think uh, on the outset of the season with them playing in the Champions League for the first time, um, they cannot just toss that competition by the wayside as they did in the last couple of seasons with the Conference League and the Europa League. I think in the Champions League, if you do that, you embarrass yourselves. So Which I think might that's very well happen if you play Champions League for the first time. I mean, it could be, um, but obviously they have added quite a bit of quality. They signed now Robin Gosens uh, and Kevin Folland in the last couple of days. Um, what I think that most people don't really know what Gosens did at Inter Milan in the last couple of seasons, which was very little, uh, and I watch every Inter game. <laughs> uh, that's that's still uh, an improvement for them on the left side, and and Folland, we know what he can do. So do, I would do not you be think? Sorry to interrupt, but do you yeah. think that Gosens is a better transfer than uh, Riasson for Union Berlin? Basically, I mean, he's obviously better as a right back, uh, and Gosens, if I'm not mistaken, is more of a left back, right? Or am I am I wrong here? You probably know, uh, but nevertheless, do you, do you think just uh, in, in in sort of just terms of player quality, do you think that Gosens is a better player than Riasson? Uh. Depends on the system, I suppose. Uh, they are very hard to compare. Nominally, both uh, fullbacks or wingbacks, but Riasson, more defensive-minded, uh, Gosens basically an attacker playing left-back sometimes. So I, I find that question very hard to answer. So That's fair. I don't know. I, th I, I think Gosens is a really good fit for what Union do, and, and it's obviously kind of neat that he finally plays in the Bundesliga for the first time at 29 after 16 international games for Germany. So yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Union uh, did better than I give them uh, credit for here, but something has to give again. Uh, I actually think that Gladbach had a very good summer. Uh, I like uh, Gerardo Seoane, the new head coach. I think he kind of got a raw deal at, at Leverkusen being fired after a bad start of the season when uh, a few months before that he uh, got them into the Champions League uh, in the team, for example, without uh, Florian Wirtz, who had an ACL injury. And actually, uh, Stefan, the vibes coming out of Gladbach are quite immaculate these days. Um, they signed uh, Thomas Kwankara, I think is the correct pronunciation, might be wrong, and Frank Honora uh, to replace Marcus Thuram, uh, Lars Stindl, and Jonas Hofmann, while well, obviously those are big names for Gladbach, uh, the new signings have got on very well uh, to start their Gladbach life. They, I think new signings accounted for six of the seven goals they scored in the cup on, on the weekend. So, um, yeah, I, I just think Gladbach, no European football, will have that kind of team where you know depth might be an issue, but they don't have to play midweek fixtures as opposed to when you're in Freiburg. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gladbach snuck into seventh and thus quite possibly made it into Europe again. I have uh, Frankfurt sixth, but that's definitely contingent on Colomboani not leaving. Um, I think there's a, a decent chance uh, he goes to PSG in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window. And, and in that case, I would at least swap them with Union, if not put them even further down, because I think he's too instrumental for what they do. And uh, I think, as you did, Stefan, I have put Wolfsburg in fifth. Um, I just like a lot of things they did in the transfer window. Um, Joachim Male or Mele from uh, Atalanta, 
is going to be one of the best fullbacks in the Bundesliga. Uh, Watzlaff Czerny is really good. Uh, and I think we saw uh, last season a few times that that team on the right kind of day can be really good. Obviously, they also had days like at Dortmund where they were trounced. But I think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Wolfsburg uh, had a more consistent season and thus made it back to Europe. Yeah, Matthias, your top six. Uh, sorry, no, wait, uh, ninth to ninth to fifth. I was going to say, we're just, we're just <laughs> going to ignore <laughs> seven through nine. Um, you know, the funny thing is that we, we all pick the same teams, slightly different order. I've got Gladbach in ninth just because I'm honestly not sure. Uh, I agree with Lars. Sione is a great coach. I think he got a raw deal at Leverkusen, but I'm also, you know, you're biased because you're I'm semi Swiss. Yes, exactly. I have Swiss children, so what am I going to say, right? Um, I've got Eintracht Frankfurt in eighth just because I honestly don't know what to expect there. Um, I mean, that's that's a bit of a Wundertüte. I just don't know. Uh, I, I hope for the best for them, but I have zero expectations there. But I think they'll be good enough to at least challenge for Europe. I've got Freiburg in seventh because I think they are going to be challenged by, you know, being in the, uh, not in the Champions League, but being in Europe. Uh, that's always a challenge for a team like Freiburg. Especially because they're too, I don't, they, they didn't really do much with the squad. I've got Wolfsburg in sixth, just because it's Wolfsburg. Uh, and they, they have made a few interesting transfers. And then I've got Union in fifth. Now, I said last week, I don't think Union will be in the Champions League. And I stand by that because I have him in fifth. Um, but that was also said before Gorsens came and before Folland. And I think those are two very good transfers. I think Gorsens at Inter that those were, I'm not going to say wasted years, but kind of wasted years. Gorsten's was, if, if Union Berlin can get Atalanta Gorsten's back, that's that's a huge win for them. And then Folland, even though at Monaco last season, he only scored three goals in 17 matches and never played 90 minutes. Um, you know, he'll, he'll be back in his element. And I think he fits the style and mentality of Union Berlin now, especially with uh, Kevin Folland being 31 years old. So he's a different player now than he was, you know, five, six years ago. Does he serve pace so, is my question. That I'm not 100% sure. I mean, in France, uh, it's it's kind of a weird league to judge, to be perfectly honest. Um, well, and the French division usually is a, is a far more athletic league than the Bundesliga. So if you can hold up yes. there somewhat, you should be yeah, doing okay. But he doesn't play. Yeah, but he didn't exactly. play. You know, that's that's the thing. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to judge it in that sense. But then again, uh, Union I, Berlin last season... I personally season, have watched zero Monaco games, so... Yeah. I mean, last season, if you think about um, the two dangerous strikers for um, for Union Berlin, it was a Jordan Sibicho? Is that how you Sibichu pronounce his name? Sibicho or Pifok, depending yep. on... Pifok, whatever. Um, pick a name. <laughs> and um, uh, the other guy whose name just totally blanked on me from the Netherlands, who was at Aro Den Haag, where Baker. my yeah exactly. Uh, it's funny because my friends from the Netherlands are like, seriously, that guy, he's kind of a dope. Uh, he's not he's not a very good player, but somehow at Union Berlin he became an important player. So Folland is better, and so I expect more from them. I. I I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll sneak into the Champions League. I doubt it, because I think the the drop-off between fourth and fifth when it comes to squads is just really pronounced this season. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult. I I guess I'll I'll go first in uh, doing the top four, and I'll be honest, I'm really struggling because uh, I do think that any of those teams uh, have title chances. Um, but um, my fourth place team is actually Leipzig because I don't know if they can. Uh, so quickly replaced Guardiola and Nkunku, who, of course, uh, was awesome last season, although he also had uh, long stretches of injuries. He, they also lost Schoboschlei and, and Konrad Leimer. And obviously, um, looking at, uh, you know, their additions, whether, whether it's uh, Xavi Simons from PSG or uh, Cesco, I I think I think it's all decent. I, I don't know if Christoph Baumgartner really... Uh, I don't know, but then I see Marco Rose as the coach, and uh, given how great Leipzig squad was at the end of last season, and uh, how I don't know, they sort of disappointed me toward the end of last season. I thought they would be much more competitive uh, over time, but they just weren't. So with that in mind, uh, I've put Leipzig there. Uh, in third place, I put Bayer Leverkusen, who are probably going to be picked uh, among the top three. Uh, a lot from uh, the so-called punters because uh, they, of course, have won the preseason in, <laughs> in in terms of hype and vibes. I don't know why, but uh, with the contract extension of Xabi Alonso, who has been dubbed, I don't know by which newspaper, is the best German coach, uh, or, or best coach in Germany, rather. Um, I don't know. Um, of course, they have Florian Wirtz back to full health and uh, also made probably a couple of key additions um, I don't, I don't know. But the problem with Leverkusen also is, you know, as long as you have Khadetsky in goal, and if, as long as you have uh, Julian Tarr in your lineup, um, I don't know if if I'm if I'm so sure about them either. I feel like uh, their defensive or, or backline is what's often holding them back. Uh, if I'm uh, if I'm brutally honest, I'm also intrigued to see how uh, Jonas Hofmann performs. In midfield, and uh, yeah, of course, uh, their biggest uh, loss is uh, Musa Diobi. So, um, yeah, sort of third place for me. And uh, in second place, drum roll, I've put Bayern. Uh, because, uh, of course, in first place, I, I'm putting Dortmund. Uh, and Bayern are in disarray. Thomas Tuchel is losing the plot uh, after the first game in the, in the Super Cup, uh, calling his team incompetent and uh, admitting that they actually didn't train for the last four weeks. So um, they're all losers, and Harry Kane brings a certain element of spursiness, uh, which uh, will make Bayern uh, drop enough points for Dortmund to win it all. So that is my season prediction. <laughs> uh, last, bring me down to earth. Uh, I don't know if I can, Stefan. <laughs> um, I I have put Leverkusen fourth. Um, I don't agree that Xabi Alonso is this... Uh, you know, wonder kid manager. Uh, <laughs> I very much disagree look, too. But th those are the if, vibes. Those are the vibes. If you if you look at the 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 league table from the day he took over, I think he won like uh, five or six points more than Nico Kovac did at Wolfsburg. At least at some point of last season, that was true. It might might have become a bit more at the end of the season, but well, they did I, beat Bayern. At least they've got that going for them. Uh, who, who didn't in the second half of the season outside of Dortmund? Ugh. Um, I I I I just haven't really seen it yet. I think there's a bit of uh you know romanticism because he was a great player to watch and obviously kind of a cool player as well, good looking guy, all that. Um, 
I think actually if he's that good as, as some people say, and I think it was the, the magazine Elf Freunde Stefan who dubbed him the best coach in Germany, which I think is <laughs> almost a ri ridiculous uh, statement to make after, you know, however many games he's only done. But if he's as good as, as promised by some, uh, that's going to be an issue for Leverkusen because if, if that's the case, I think he's off to Real Madrid, uh, next season because Carlo Ancelotti is leaving. Uh, and obviously him having a background at Real Madrid, having started coaching there as well. So you're, um, so you're saying they extended his contract to uh, reap a nice coaching fee since this has become a thing in modern football as well? Uh, I don't think a contract extension for a head coach means anything if Real Madrid come knocking, no. So <laughs> what, how much how much money they get, I don't know. Maybe they would like to get a, a youth player in, in there or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, I, I have Leverkusen fourth. I think they, they have definitely improved with uh, Alejandro Grimaldo left back, uh, Kranichaka central midfield, Victor Boniface, who I always thought would be Boniface, but what do I know? Not Boniface. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, that I could rule out because he's not Italian, Stefan. But, um, uh, he seems to be the real deal. I obviously did not watch much of Union or Royal Union Saint Gilois or however that's pronounced from Belgium. Probably like um, the cigarette. <laughs> that's Galois. Um, <laughs> and and spelled quite differently. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Well I don't smoke, um, so there you go. Yeah, neither do I, but I can read. Um <laughs> yeah, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if Leverkusen, the eternal preseason darlings, actually did have a great season and, and maybe even finished in, in you know top two instead of top four, but Alas, uh, there we are. Uh, I have put Borussia Dortmund in third um, because I remain unconvinced about squad depth at some important positions. I still think it's quite risky to go into the season uh, with Emre Can and Emre Can as your only uh, defensive midfielders, meaning I don't trust uh, Sally Özcan to play there. Uh, over an extended time, amount of time, so I would have liked to see someone being signed to cover that position. I think it's dangerous to think that Embojan is now uh, the uh, epitome of consistency after he's having uh, had one uh, good half season after, I don't know, six or so uh, mediocre to disappointing half seasons at Dortmund. Oh, you sound like me. <laughs> um, uh, I also think... Three center halves of note is too little, especially uh, with one probably ending his career at the end of the season and the other Schlotterbeck being injured on and off since March. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did say earlier I expect him to, to have a better cup run. Uh, maybe that makes up for, for some of the deficiencies in the league, but ultimately uh, I think the, the margins between second, third and fourth are going to be fairly small. So, uh, you know, third for Dortmund might just as well be second. Um, in second, I did put RB Leipzig. Um, I didn't actually watch the Super Cup, so it's not colored by that impression, but I just really like what they did on transfer market, obviously losing a, a, a lot of players. Uh, and Kunku, in my opinion, the best player in the Bundesliga uh, over the last two seasons, despite all his injury problems, and now he's injured at Chelsea as well. Uh, but I think in Xavi uh, Simmons or Simons, um, they have probably made the most interesting attacking signing in the Bundesliga outside of Harry Kane. 
Um, also, uh, Sheshko is really good. Nico and Niki Seiwald is really good. I don't know Lukeba, who they signed for defense, but Leipzig haven't missed with central defenders over the last few years. So, um, if, if Leipzig didn't start the last season terribly under Domenico Tedesco, uh, they probably would have been there with Dortmund and Bayern on the final match day or there or thereabouts at least. Um, and, and I just think. There's a pretty decent chance they put it together more consistently this season. But um, despite all this Premier League-like talk of a top four in the Bundesliga, and we all uh, have the same four teams in some order, uh, I do believe there's still quite a big gap uh, between my Bundesliga champions and second, third and fourth. And I am predicting Bayern Munich to make it 12 in a row. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as close as most people say. Um, even though I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of turned out like the 20, what was it, 17, 18 season where Carlo Ancelotti was fired after like three or four or five or six match days. Uh, and then, then, uh, old Joe Pinekiss came off the bench, uh, out of retirement in a literal sense because he's old as fuck. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if things go awry for Tuchel and he, you know, does Tuchel things and has, Falling out with too many important players. He's probably lucky that Tom, uh, Manuel Neuer is injured so for, for a few more months. So he's not someone he can have a problem with. But even if that happened, I think Bayern could call in whomever to coach that team. Maybe Xavi Alonso. I think, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that might be a bit more of an issue. But uh, I just think the, the talk of their demise, as it were, is, is overblown. I, I don't think they have going to have that amazing, you know, 90 plus point season, but I think it's still going to be reasonably comfortable for them to win the league. And obviously I don't want that to happen, but this is a prediction game and not a wishful thinking game. So yeah, well, it's uh, Bayern first, Leipzig second, Dortmund third, Liverpool fourth. To be honest, it turned out for me a little bit that way. Uh, I mean, the the pros in the Dortmund camp obviously are that Dortmund have shown a, a, a title-winning form, of course, and 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 you know, forget about the final match day. Um, but in general, and of course, um, there are changes to the squad which might negate that. And uh, I I very much agree. Um, just three center backs, way too few. And also, I'm very unimpressed by the double pivot. Uh, I think Zabitzer is a decent signing, but John and Zabitzer, if this is your best double pivot, I think you will find better in the Bundesliga. And uh, oftentimes, uh, I think the strength of your double pivot does uh, make a significant difference as how your season fares overall. Um, so there are, there are pros and cons, but, uh, you know, the Malen, Adiemi, Alea and Brandt quadruple uh, in, in attack are really quite lethal and have uh, shown consistently uh, this year so far that they can really ball out and destroy teams. And so, of course, there there is maybe some, some emotional momentum with Dortmund too in, in some weird way, um, given how the last season ended. Maybe this is a little bit extra motivation they need. Um, so, hence my prediction... I'm just hoping for Dortmund to continue where they left off and that a couple of things do go wrong at Bayern. Um, but am I super uh, optimistic or certain that Dortmund will win the league? Obviously not. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm staying by my prediction because 
why the heck not? Uh, I mean, there are literally zero negative consequences for me to be wrong other than uh, Tottenham not winning the league, which has been the case in the past 11 years. So, Matthias, uh, going into the 11th season uh, of the Yellow World Pod, I don't want to, I don't know, uh, say anything about maybe uh, we should stop the podcast and then Dortmund can win the league again. But uh, what is your prediction? It's funny you said that. I just thought that. Um, the So my prediction, obviously, we've got the same four teams. Uh, I have Leipzig in fourth. I think uh, Luzin Koko is just kind of a big deal. Uh, Marco Rose, um, we'll see. Um, I think last season they lost some matches where I, was, I just didn't quite understand it. I think they'll have their, their Rose slump. Like there was a Dortmund, like there was a Gladbach, I think, uh, and they had a little bit of that already last season at Leipzig. So I think they're gonna they're gonna be in fourth, really close. Um, I mean, you can swap them or Leverkusen, and I think you're pretty much dead on. You'll be within a point or two, if you you know, or maybe goal difference at the end. I think Leverkusen overall uh, are in a slightly better position, maybe. I don't know. To me, there is a gap there then between those two and Dortmund. If the rumors are true, if it's to be believed that Bela Kocab could be a serious transfer target for Dortmund to add, there is some good depth then to central defense in a young player uh, who's, I believe, already had a Germany call-up. Um, I, uh, you know, with the, the double pivot, I mean, Dortmund can also switch to a 4-3-3 and then you can kind of play that a little bit by ear. Um, the rest of the squad I'm pretty happy with. I still think, a, a another striker wouldn't hurt, but if Bela Kocap comes in, I'm pretty happy. And then I think, uh, yeah, Bayern are going to win it for a 12th season in a row. Uh, they're missing ingredient from last season, aside from a good coach. Um, <laughs> that was really missing was a striker and they have that striker now in Harry Kane. Uh, I think there are still some question marks as to where the squad is going to formulate itself, but I think a five, six point cushion league win, having the league kind of wrapped up by match day, maybe 31 or 32, not by like 25 or 30, um, but closer to the end. I think that's kind of realistic uh, that being said, yes, Stefan, uh, a little bit of um, Premier League Tottenham curse would be okay because since the Premier League form uh, was formed, Tottenham have only won one title, and that was the League Cup in 2008. And I, I'll be honest, I don't count that. They won the FA Cup in 91, and right after that, shortly after that, the, the Premier League got founded. So it would be okay if Harry Kane brings a lot of some of that with him. And then maybe uh, Tottenham actually do something, which they won't um, in return. But uh, yeah, that's unfortunately, I think Bayern are going to win it for a 12th season and more comfortably than last season. But the wild card for me, as already mentioned, is Thomas Tuchel because he's a difficult person and him and other people don't tend to get along for very long. But like Lars said, you could find somebody who's halfway decent to come in, right the ship and win. And so who knows, maybe if everything blows up by the end of the season, 
um, after next summer, you'll have Hansi Flick back after he gets sacked as Germany manager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to re-sign Nagelsmann, but uh, there are certainly options out there. Um, I I feel like the Bayern might realistically clinch the championship on match day 31 when uh, Dortmund play away to Leipzig. Maybe this is sort of a, a time where this uh, gets decided. Um, Dortmund play on match day 30. Um at home, uh, they host Leverkusen, then they play Leipzig away. So maybe um, this week or eight days or however many days will be in between con- considering the scheduling um, might decide it uh, already because these will be obviously two very tough back-to-back fixtures. Um, so we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, Better Kotschop is uh, obviously a name uh, that uh, rings very nice to a lot of uh, Dortmund fans' ears. Uh, Lars, I remember you opining in the positive on him as well. Um, so might as well do this on the podcast uh, while I have you here. Yeah, um, I would definitely agree uh, with their idea to sign him. Uh, he is a still young but already internationally experienced uh, center half, having played uh, in the Bundesliga for Bochum, obviously. Um, moved to Southampton uh, last year for a reasonably hefty fee. I I. I didn't watch Saints too much, but from what I gather, he had an okay first season in the Premier League, which is always difficult for, for a young international defensive player, uh, having to get ready for, you know, that jump in quality in terms of uh, the players you face. Um, I don't think you should hold uh, their relegation above his head. I think there's definitely other candidates for that. Um and he's also, as Matthias alluded to, already received a Germany call-up. He's got, I think, two uh, matches for the team under his belt. Uh, been, you know, I guess, uh, fallen behind uh, Malik Chaw in the last few weeks because uh, he, uh, of uh, Milan fame, has uh, made uh, as perhaps the only international player for Germany other than Niklas Füllkrug in the last few months a positive impact on the team. So... I think Bella Kotschap definitely wants to leave Southampton uh, because he's not going to the Euros playing for a championship side. That's just not going to happen. Uh, the 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 big issue is that I don't think Dortmund can afford a 20-odd million transfer fee right now. Um, I think Sebastian K has basically said as much uh, in other words when he reminded us how much of the Bellingham fee can actually be used on transfers. Uh Money's basically gone with uh, Sabitza uh, and Matcha. Um, I don't think Dortmund can get rid of, in quotation marks, of uh, Torban Azar uh, just because he wants to stay, which, you know, fair enough. They both agreed to a contract. Uh, and Thomas Meunier, who's uh, injured right now, so I don't know if uh, he could even pass a medical. And without those two leaving, even without fees, just with, you know, uh, the potential to uh, not pay them too much. I'm missing a word here. Uh, Einsparpotenzial. Um, I, I just don't think they can uh, afford buying Bella Kotschap. So if it's a loan with perhaps a, 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 you know, a buyout option at the end of the loan, I don't know how much interest Southampton will have in that because obviously they've they are about to sell Romeo Lavia to Chelsea, or maybe that's even done already. I'm 
not uh, up on my game on the silly English transfer market at the moment. Uh, so it's not like they desperately need uh, to get rid of another player to balance the books or whatever. So they have also sold uh, James Ward Prowse, I think, this week. So Southampton aren't looking for money. They are uh, looking for a good deal. And I don't think that Dortmund can get them, give them one. So I, while I would definitely like to have Bella Kotschap, especially because, uh, as I said earlier, I think this is fairly likely to be Mats Hummels' uh, final season as a professional football player. And they don't have anyone really in the pipeline uh, who can be trusted to play next season. Uh, I definitely rate um, Philippe Mane, the captain of the under-19 side, but I mean, that's he's probably a couple of years away from featuring for, for a professional football side. So they, they need someone uh, and, and I definitely would like someone who can already play this year because we know Schlotterbeck has been injured, Zule has been injured uh, and might as well be needed at fullback this season if injuries strike there. Hummels is uh, quite old, despite only being a few months older than me, which is a bad feeling to have. Um, so yeah, they they should sign someone, but I think Bella Kotschap might just be financially out of reach. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Uh, especially also looking forward to the season season after the season. Um, there there needs to be a, a central defender because. Uh, Replacing Hummels, I do believe, will not be easy when Schlotterbeck and Zule will, I assume, auto pretty automatically be your two first-choice centre-backs um, going into the next season after this one. So, um, yeah, I think you need a, a capable number three um, post-Hummels and uh, signing that player, um, ideally, you would do now um, at, at the latest uh, in the winter when... Uh, you have maybe more savings potential <laughs> with uh, Azar and Semenye then leaving. Who knows? Um, but um, yeah, that's all that we have time for for today. Um, both of you, thank you so much for coming on and uh, starting us off into the new season. Because yes, the cup game was nice and all, but it still more felt like a friendly than an actual competitive game, even though on paper it was. So... Uh, yeah, I will see you on the flip side of the Köln game. Uh, Matthias, you already told me that you don't have time next week. So uh, here's hoping <laughs> Lars will be available. <laughs> All right then. Uh, and with that, uh, as always, uh, everyone out there, thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>